In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about tripping balls, the need for a mustache, fairy kisses, choosing violence, and being put to bed. In our discussion of Dead in the Family by Charlene Harris. Everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda, aka a skanky trash bag full of blood. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Claire, aka slutty but classy blood hag. And today we're going to discuss Dead in the Family by Charlene Harris. <laughs> Standard disclaimer, if you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book, then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Wow. Cool. (laughs) Fun fact, this is definitely the last one I read. Oh, really? Do you remember it? Yes, I do remember. I remember certain characters um, and certain mm. events that take place that I'm not going to mention so far because they're going to be in the summary. Sure, um, right. But I was like, yes. oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've read this one. And we'll get into my thoughts and feelings about why this was sure. the last one I read when we get into the discussion. Um, okay. But I just want to throw that out as my initial thought. Nice. Yes. Uh, smart skipping over the background info because I read so many interviews with Charlene Harris and like nothing was standout-ish enough to share. Yeah. She responds to questions with very short, blunt responses. So nothing super exciting that I found this time. And also, I mean, these books came out so long ago and... It's not like there were just a million billion interviews like there are in, you know, the today times. So. No, I think authors have to spend, it feels like, more time on social media and doing promotions than they do actually writing the books themselves. It's yeah, it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of unsung work as well. Yeah. Okay. And also, this is book 10 of 13, oh. so people are probably like, you know what? We've asked her all the questions we can ask. <laughs> well, There's not any more. Well, exactly. I mean, where else can it go? Unless you get into spoilery territory for the next few books. Yeah. And we don't want to go there. No. We don't want to go there. Not till next month. In the month. No, no, <laughs> no. Because we're all about spoilers. We are. We are, but we don't want to spoil ourselves. No, we never want to spoil ourselves. We spoil for others. That's our privilege right. and right. Right. We ruin your day, not yes. our own day. Yes. If you ruin our day, we ruin you. Yes. That's Speaking accurate. of spoilers, shall we dive into the summary? We should. We really, really should. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> Several weeks have passed since the end of the fairy war, and Sookie's wounds are healing. Her exterior ones, more so than the interior, thanks to Eric's blood. Many were lost in the war, but Sookie feels Dawson's and Claudine's most deeply. Amelia, her witch roommate and Dawson's girlfriend, has decided to move back to New Orleans since she's lost Dawson 
And Suki understands. It's really sad. As she's leaving, Amelia asks Suki if she loves Eric, and she does, but she doesn't know if it's because of the blood bond. Enough! Even though Amelia will be facing punishment from her coven after turning Bob into a cat for a while, she offers to ask Octavia if there's anything Suki can do to break the bond. Oh, don't break the bond. Just shut up about it. <laughs> just accept it. Just just deal with it. If you don't want it, we'll take we'll it. We'll take it. Claude comes to visit Suki, and he brings with him a note from Niall, written on fairy corpse flesh. <laughs> Tasty. Telling her he's gotten rid of the FBI for her. Wow, that's nice. That's very Aww. nice. Thanks. Claude sticks around for a bit, wanting to spend time with another fairy after losing Claudine and find out how she died. Suki explains that it was Brendan who killed her and Bill who killed him. She worries that Claude is going to exact some kind of vengeance on her, but he leaves peacefully. Can I point out I hate saying the name like that? Brendan? Brendan. 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 Don't worry, we don't have to say it anymore in this summary. I know, I know. A few days later, Suki spends the night with Eric, and he explains why he couldn't save her when she was being tortured by the fairies. Victor claimed to not remember that King Felipe had promised Suki protection, and when Eric tried to go to her, he chained him with silver and told him he couldn't take a side in the fairy war. This was a heart-wrenching piece of chapter. It was rough. Mm. It's confusing why Victor would claim such a thing, and really, we all want him to die at this point. So it's great when Suki suggests it to Eric. <laughs> that fucker needs to die. Suki is bloodthirsty. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit later, Suki eats dinner with Jason and his girlfriend, Michelle. They talk a little about Eric being sheriff and about Jason not coming out with the other Panthers after all the shifters reveal themselves and a little about the fairy war and how they have hopefully all gone back to fairy, except for Claude because he's still here. Before Suki leaves, Jason asks if he can come pick up a table that's in Suki's attic and she says that's fine. She finally feels like herself again after weeks of suffering after being tortured. That were, they were rough scenes as well. Yeah, they were. Yeah, that was that was rough. I'm honestly surprised she has bounced back so quickly. That was sucks resilient. Yeah, yeah, she really is. At Marlotte's, Sam notices Suki smiling again for the first time in a while, which is so sweet. Suki picks up that Sam is probably dating someone, and she's glad he's happy. Things seem to be back to normal for the most part, though Sam tells Suki she should go visit Bill. After work, Suki crosses the cemetery and goes to his house. Bill is still suffering from silver poisoning after being bitten by one of the torturers in the fairy war and is not healing well and is very depressed. Suki finds out that if Bill had been able to drink from his maker, Lorena, who Suki, uh, murdered several books ago, he would already be healed. Oops. <laughs> Whoops. 
Suki asks if drinking blood from a sibling vampire would work similarly, but Bill doesn't know and refuses to contact his vampire sister. As Suki leaves, Bill asks if she loves Eric. Yes, and if she'll give him a kiss. Do you love Eric? Yes. Will you kiss me? Yes. The proximity to her fairy blood helps him feel better. Bill. I'll seed call Sucky a little bit later to see if his pack can use her land for their full moon nights, because there are fishermen on his land that Hamilton, another wolf and long-time Herbore family friend, said Alcide's dad used to let use their land all the time. Finding this suspicious, Sucky agrees, as soon all the wolves come over. Alcide comes to the door when they arrive and introduces Jia Lin, who disposed of the bodies after the werewolf. Annabelle, who is his girlfriend, Ham, a family friend, and Basim, his new second-in-command. Then they go off and hunt. The next morning, Basim tells Suki that he scented at least one fairy on the property and a vampire, and also he found a body. Well, awkward. The body is probably <laughs> Debbie Pelts, but the fairy? Maybe it's Claude, but if not, who? Could it be? Oh, no. Oh, no. A little later, Claude comes by and asks to live with Sookie for a while. He is sad about losing his sister and lacking the company of another fairy. After checking in on Amelia and finding out that she's probably not coming back, Sookie offers to let Claude stay. He confirms he was not the fairy in her woods and that the last portal to fairy was out there, so maybe it hasn't closed all the way, and maybe Dermot, Suki's uncle and Jason's fairy lookalike, was the one who was out there. Claude then tells Suki that Claudine left all the money in her bank account to Suki with her death. Isn't that nice? I mean, it's terrible because Claudine is dead, but... I mean, to be fair, if it was what was in my checking account, you know, buy your Mars bar. <laughs> but Claudine's got money. She partly owns strip clubs, or did. I wish May I partly owned strip clubs. Me too. Yeah, but Suki doesn't realize this. Suki doesn't. No. The two plus two equals five in this situation. No, Suki she's got... like, oh, maybe I can get a dress. Maybe I can buy one dress. One dress and some groceries. <laughs> Suki goes to work where she talks to Holly and Hoyt a little bit and learns that they're getting married soon and Hoyt wants Jason to be his best man. Then Tara comes in and she's miserably pregnant. Both of these things make Suki want to talk to Eric, so she calls him. He's got to have a meeting with Victor, but he'll send Pam to pick her up after work. In the car on the way to Eric's, they have a conversation that continues after their arrival about Victor and how much they want him to die. It seems he wants to take over Louisiana, at least Eric's job, or maybe just become king. He's got a few that are loyal to him, but most are loyal to Eric, and also King Felipe. After this, Suki explains about what's going on with the werewolves, and how Basim found what could only be Debbie Pelt's corpse, and smelled fairies on her land that aren't Claude. 
Uh-oh. Eric and Pam explain that the government wants to make wares and shifters register, but geez, that's terrible. Don't do that. Only vampires have to register, which is also terrible. Yep. Just Eric. Oh, no, stop it. Eric offers to send a newly acquired vampire who's good at tracking to her house in a day or two to see if she can figure out who's been wandering in her woods. Suki and Eric share some non-sex sexy times, and they declare their love for one another before Pam drives Suki back home. On their drive back to Bonton, they are flagged down by a car on the side of the road. It's Victor's top two supporters, and, well, they're there to kill Suki and probably Pam, too. They explain that Victor thinks Eric will be subservient to him, especially since he's got lots of people who are loyal to him, and since he's got Suki with her telepathy, so they're going to kill her. Well, that does not happen. Pam gives Suki a silver dagger, and she kills one, while Pam kills the other. It takes surprisingly little time. Eric knows through the bond that something terrible has happened, but before he can rush to them, Pam calls and tells him to pretend that he was rushing off somewhere else. If anyone else is keeping an eye on him or them, they'll know that Pam and Suki killed Victor's goons. We can't have that. Can't have that. They are so self-sufficient. They really are. And again, Suki, very bloodthirsty. Yes. I mean, it's expected of Pam because she is. Right. She's the definition of bloodthirsty. <laughs> yeah. The next day at Merlot's, Sam says Suki looks like hell warmed over. Oh, that's nice. And they're joking a little bit. And then Tanya comes in for a brief moment to let everyone know that she and Calvin Norris are married. And then she leaves. <laughs> We're married! We're married! <laughs> that's it. That's it. She just walks in and is like, hey, y'all, I'm married. Change my name on my paychecks. Get out. that's it the end Kennedy a new employee who just got out of jail for shooting her boyfriend comes in then she's very sweet and pretty and tough and the day passes without incident except if you count Claude coming in and kind of hitting on Terry Belfour (laughs) Claude came in to tell Suki that the water heater is out and Terry offers to fix it then Claude awkwardly flirts with Terry but everything gets fixed and nothing else is weird then Sam offers to take Suki out to dinner so they can catch up. And it's really cute, even though, you know, they're both dating other people. They're allowed. Friends can go out for dinner. I know. It's so cute. It's precious. I love it. The next day, Suki gets a phone call while she's in the shower and Claude nakedly gives her the phone. <laughs> it's Remy Savoy and he'd like to bring Hunter to stay overnight while he goes to a funeral so she can help teach the little boy about being a telepath. He will bring him by after Suki gets off work the next day and Sam ends up taking Suki to dinner that night and they talk about their relationships a little and about what happened to Suki about the fairy war. Even though they're not a couple, it's clear that they really care about each other. It's so precious! It's so cute! (sighs) Remy drops Hunter off and Suki really enjoys spending time with the kiddo. While he's there, Eric's vampire tracker, Heidi, who may or may not be a spy from Felipe or Victor, comes by and lets Suki know that she found not one, but two corpses on her land. One much fresher than the other, and maybe two fairies. 
that <laughs> just this just can't be good. It can't be good at all. The rest of the time with Hunter goes pretty smoothly and includes playing with Claude at the park. While they're there, Tara comes by and Claude tells her that she's having twins, which is a surprise to everyone. <laughs> Including the gynecologist. <laughs> Only a couple bad things happen during Hunter's visit before his dad picks him up. One is that Latesta comes by to tell Suki that the FBI is no longer interested in her, but he's mad about it because he thinks she's a freak and got someone to pay the FBI off on her behalf. Which is true. I mean, she doesn't know that. I mean, she doesn't know it was paid, though. That's true. The second bad thing is that Hunter read a random frazzled mom's mind and then talked to her about it. Whoops. <laughs> That's not what you're supposed to do. In Hunter's defense... As a frazzled mom on occasion, if somebody had said something similar, you know, you, if you go to those those, those play, play areas, you can tell. You don't need to be reading any minds. It's written on the face in Hunter's defense. Fun check is not fun. That's all I'm no, saying. No. Look. After this, Suki tries to teach the five-year-old about privacy. And hopefully it sticks, but I mean, he's five. No, it's not going to stick. Not going to stick. Ain't going to work. After Remy picks Hunter up, Suki sunbears a little while until Eric wakes up. He snuck in overnight because he felt that Suki was upset and came to be with her as soon as he could. Before no. Suki can tell Eric about the corpse, he tells her about vampire regions and politics, and they have sex and brush hair. No. Damn it, it's back. It's bad, the hair brushing. Then she starts acting really weird, like her brain is broken. <laughs> she tries to tell Eric about the corpses and ask questions about what, what he taught her, and they talk about the werewolf registration, but then she goes completely bonkers. Eric is obviously terribly worried, which is 100% reasonable. 100%. His maker, Appius Livius O'Kella, is right outside the window. Like a creep. Like a creep with a child who is also a creep. Hello. Hi. I'm hanging out outside your window. <sighs> Appius Livius has come to find Eric because another of his vampire children, Alexei Romanov... A child from old Russian royalty, if you don't know that, is yeah. unwell. Suki is bonkers because of the blood bond, which connects her not only to Eric, but to his maker and to his sibling as well. Ooh. Their visit is strained because if Appius Livius says jump, Eric has to say how high. Jason shows up not too long after to retrieve the table from the attic, and Suki convinces him to stay. Way to go, Jason. He's really, like, proven himself again. Jason, though, is immediately taken with Alexi, who appears to be a young teenager, though he's at least 100 years old. It is a very weird situation all around. Oh, yeah. It's creepy. Do not like. 
The weird situation gets weirder as well when Suki tells Eric that his tracker found a fresh corpse on her property. So then they call Alcide, who comes over with Annabelle and Jialin, and they all go out together to search for it. Oh, it's a lovely adventure, isn't it? Corpse searching. It really searching. is. It really... Corpse searching. After a short dig, <laughs> they unearth the body of Basim, Alcide's werewolf second. Yeah, that can't be good. That, yeah, that's bad. Then Annabelle reveals that not only is she with Alcide, but she was also with Basim. Nope. So she and Jialene fight, and Jialene is made second in Basim's stead. You don't, don't cheat, and especially don't cheat on your alpha. Nope. Nope, that's not good. Annabelle tells him that she was with Basim when he got a phone call that he didn't want her to know about. And then they decide that someone is trying to set Suki up, and that's why whomever killed Basim put him on her property. The werewolves will have a meeting about this, and Suki and Jason will be in attendance. Eric flies Basim's body off the property because Suki is sure someone put the body there on purpose. Then they all go their separate ways for the night. Suki calls Pam and Bobby to let them know that Appius Livius is in town, which causes them both to freak out a little bit just just a little just a little just a little i'm really impressed that suki called bobby the day guy since bobby hates her guts out you know what suki's if there's one thing she is she's polite and that's the polite thing to do yeah yeah the next morning claude tells suki that he saw dermot But he didn't do anything bad, so they decide that maybe he's just longing for fairy nearness, too. Claude really doesn't know why Dermot would have chosen the wrong side in the fairy war, but it's probably because he's crazy. (laughs) Soon, Bud Dearborn, Andy Belfleur, and Alcee Beck arrive. They got an anonymous tip that there's a body on her land. (laughs) Well, not anymore. (laughs) They go look, but obviously find nothing. While they're out in the woods, Suki reads emails and learns from Hallie, Andy's wife, that Caroline Belfler is not long for this world and that all she wants before she dies is to see her family Bible again. Hallie asks if Suki will ask Bill about it because their family lines crossed a ways back. Suki forwards the email to Bill. A few days later, Bill is on Suki's doorstep with the Bible and asks if she'll accompany him to see his great-great relatives. They visit with Caroline for a few minutes and Bill reveals that he is her great-grandfather. She is delighted, but Andy isn't and Portia is just neutral. I think Portia's a robot, so, you know. She could be. It's probably because she and Bill dated for a while and she's, like, weirded out, though, so... It's reasonable. Yeah. Soon after Bill and Suki leave, Caroline dies. They have the funeral the next night so Bill can attend. Suki's sad to see that he's there walking with a cane. The silver poison is really doing him in. She wonders again why he won't try to contact his vampire sibling and then she just does it herself. She sneaks over to his bills while he's busy with the Belfours and steals a copy of the vampire directory, finds his sibling and sends her an email. 
At work, after returning the vampire directory, Sookie's feeling all out of sorts. She's kind of scattered and accidentally picks up on their cook, Antoine's thoughts, and it turns out that he's an informant for the FBI. Oh, bloody hell, they can't get a, a short order cook, can they? They cannot. Oh my gosh. Weiss and Latesta found him after Katrina and knew that the shifters were going to reveal themselves soon and that Sookie was weird. So they sent him to work at Merlot's and tell them everything that happens. But he's actually come to like and respect Sam and Sookie and doesn't want to help the FBI anymore. So Sam lets him stay. Oh. Uh, so we don't have to hire a new cook. <laughs> to be fair, it's cheaper just to let him be an informant for the FBI than it is to advertise for a new cook. It really is. It really is. <laughs> Suki and Sam talk about his family and how his mom's doing after getting shot. They talk about a family wedding they're going to go to together, even though Sam's got a werewolf girlfriend, who turns out to be Janelin. And Suki feels relieved to have a friend. <sighs> Things go well for the rest of the day. Then, when Suki gets home, she sees Jason sitting on her porch. But where's his truck? Oh, no. Oh, no, that's not Jason at all. It's Dermot! Oh, Ah! Dermot Ah! is crazy. Yeah. But Suki realizes he's being put under a spell. Being close together makes him more coherent, and he tells Suki that another fairy, a bad one, is in the woods. Then he disappears. Thank you for that unhelpfulness. (laughs) Poof. <laughs> it's not good. But she can't really do anything about it. So she goes inside and reads the newspaper and learns that wear registrations isn't going well. Shock! And then two gang members have been killed in Shreveport. She also learns that the pack meeting is the next night. So she calls to tell Eric, who asks her to come to Fantasia. It's been a week since she's heard from Eric because of his maker, and she's feeling very frustrated by that. She needs Eric's penis in her. <sighs> and his nipples. Yes. I am I am so angry with Suki at this moment in time, which we can talk about later. But just know that I am so angry with her right now. Julie noted, looking forward to the conversation. When she arrives at Fangtasia, Suki finds it off that it's not very busy, but it's obviously because of Appius and Alexi. Alexi thinks that he should be free from Appius, and then he shows Suki the memory of the murder of his entire family. Yikes. Then, members of the Bureau of Vampire Affairs come over to say hello, so Eric asks Appius, Livius, and Alexi to go to his office. The BVA might soon become the Bureau of Vampire and Supernatural Affairs if the wear registration goes through, so they're visiting the area. When they're gone and Suki and Eric are alone, Eric tells her that Appius wants to put Alexi down because he's a crazy murderer. (laughs) Parental responsibility right there. They came there in the hopes that Eric could help soothe and teach him, but no, he keeps sneaking out and eating gang members. <laughs> Damn teenagers. Damn you. <laughs> teenagers still do what teenagers do. 
really know what to do. So Suki leaves. <laughs> and this is where the frustration really, really sets in. Ooh, we're ramping she, up. She acts like Eric is choosing to stay away from her and says that if he has time later, maybe he could come see her after the werewolf meeting. It's so fucking annoying. But then Eric says he's going to see her the day after that, no matter what, because he loves her. And she's his wife. He cannot help what he is doing right now, Sookie. Stop being a bitch. Yeah, there's a small matter of a psychopathic teenage vampire running around that he's got to deal with. And his maker, who is thousands of years old. Back the fuck off. Well, Suki goes back home, still being a sulky bitch. And then someone comes to her door. It's Judith Vardaman, Bill's vampire sister. She tells, And she's from Little Rock. She's from Little Rock. (laughs) She she could be my neighbor. (laughs) She could be your sire. She tells Suki Lorena's story and how terrible she was. How she was a prostitute until an untrained vampire saw her kill someone and turned her. How she saw Bill and fell in love with him, but he didn't like her. How Lorena turned her when Bill realised she looked exactly like his wife. That's not creepy. Eventually, Lorena left them alone, but Judith has been terrified that she was going to summon her back at any moment to do terrible things. Suki tells Judith she killed Lorena, and she thanks Suki, kisses her hand, then runs across the cemetery to be with Bill. I can just imagine her running, like, flailing through the cemetery as fast as she can. (laughs) Bill! Oh my god, Bill! (laughs) Oh, yes. The next day, Suki sees letters on her doorstep. One is from Mr. Cataliades and Diantha. It's a check for $150,000 from Claudine's will. Nice. (gasps) The next is from Bill thanking her for contacting Judith because he's healing now with her help, and he invites her over sometime in the next week so they can all talk together. Claude checks in on Suki after she reads her letters, and she asks him about the other fairy in the woods, but he's evasive in his answers. This tells Suki that that fairy is not a good guy. When she tries to get more information, Claude leaves. <laughs> Suki's in a weird mood, so then she decides to go to church, hoping it will make her feel better. Insert eye roll here. I think I've strained my eyeball. Sam is also there, which is weird. But he knows stuff is going down, and riots are happening in other towns because of wears and shifters, and he wants people to remember that he's good. After church... Suki eats lunch with Tara and JB. Then Jason calls about the pack meeting the next night. He's going to pick her up after work. The next day at Merlot's, Sam is away doing management things, and wouldn't you know, a riot happens! (gasps) Bloody typical. Suki and Kennedy manage to get the protester who came in out of the bar. But, uh uh-oh, there's a whole group outside in the parking lot. Police are called and the mob is dispersed. Sam is pretty worried and also pissed off, rightly so. Suki suggests he visit the mob's church and tell them that he's a normal guy. But he's not normal and he's not a guy and the fact that she suggested that makes him mad. 
A reporter comes later to ask about the riot, but it also seems he wants to stir up shit. So Suki valiantly defends Sam and tells the guy to leave if he's going to cause trouble. Sam appreciates Suki standing up for him, so they're back on good terms now. Poor Sam. Hooray! Poor Sam! (sighs) Later, Jason comes to pick Suki up for the pack meeting. When they arrive at Alcide's, Janelin ushers Suki upstairs to see Alcide, who tells her that she's going to act as the pack's shaman. And she's like, what? (laughs) And we're like, what? (laughs) What? He gives her a drug to drink and tells her that former pack shamans were fine after taking this drug and that the stuff just changes their perception of things. After some back and forth, Suki downs the drug. Oh boy, does it alter her perception, all right. She can see emotions as colors. <laughs> She's led down to the meeting where she discovers that Ham and his lady friend who joined from that pack that tried to take over in the war, Patricia, were responsible for Basim's murder and that Annabelle was only guilty of cheating on Alcide with Basim. But why did Ham kill Basim? After the wolves run and Suki's land, Ham saw Basim talking to a fairy and overheard him trying to convince Basim to hide a body on Suki's land to frame her for murder and have her sent to prison. Okay, what? (laughs) What? This is convoluted. Basim was going to do this because the fairy offered a lot of money, which Basim needed to get out of trouble with his former pack. Alcide knew he was in trouble and offered to loan him the money, but he wanted to earn it himself. But then Ham wanted to punish Basim for scheming behind Alcide's back and for also screwing his lady. So he killed him and got Patricia to help bury his body on Suki's land. Wow. It's so convoluted. What? (laughs) What? I... uh... It's so convoluted, it hurts your brain. It does. Well, Suki and Jason leave before the pack really decides what's to be done with the traitorous wares. But Suki thinks that they're probably all going to be put to bed. Bed? (laughs) They're all going to go... They're all going to be put to bed. To death. (laughs) No. That's what what being murdered is called now. Being put put to to bed. bed. They're going to go to the farm. (laughs) Well, you can't visit them anymore. (laughs) Gotta go sleep with the visions. (laughs) My brain is still scrambled off that very convoluted get plan of things. It is. It is. We need to put your brain to bed. Suki is feeling weird after the drug and vomits in Alcide's front yard. But then she gets a really bad feeling about something happening with Eric, so she makes Jason take her over to his place. They find the house in a shambles and Eric badly injured. Bobby, the daytime guy, is dead, and so is another Fantasia vampire, Felicia. Pam is also badly hurt, but Appius Livius and Alexi are nowhere to be found. Appius Livius asked Eric to stay behind while he went after Alexi, who went completely bonkers and started trying to eat everyone. He tried to find Jason because he liked him so much, so he followed his scent from Suki's to his house, but his girlfriend sent him back to Suki's, and that's where he is now. It's got even more convoluted. <laughs> it is, uh, no words. 
Before Suki and Eric get to her house, Eric feels a horrible wrench in his gut, which can't be good. They arrive and find Claude and another fairy fighting Alexi and Appius Livius, gravely injured over to the side. Suki grabs a silver chain that she's had since she saved Bill all the way back in book one and kind of lassoes Alexi long enough for Eric to stake him. He's finally been able to be put out of his misery. An hour misery. He's finally be been fair. put to bed. He's gone to bed. Bye. Night night. <laughs> <laughs> Suki takes the stake and goes to kill Appius, but then the other fairy, Coleman, rushes up and tries to kill Suki. She gets out of the way just in time for him to miss striking her with his fairy sword, so he accidentally kills Appius Livius instead. What? What? Coleman hates Sucky because he was going to have a baby with Claudine, but she and their baby died protecting Sucky. After he kills Appius, he gets hit by a knife thrown out from nowhere, then Eric rushes up and kills him. But who? through the knife it was jason who <gasps> stepped out of the woods hey oh wait that's dermot oh can we like dye his hair or something or give him a pair of glasses we need so to put like a one give and a him two a... on the hands or something oh, yes yes or just give him a mustache yes one has to have facial hair <laughs> one has to have a, a really mustache. really really funny mustache yes i think jason could use like a 70s porn tash Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Definitely. <sighs> okay. So Dermot struggles to explain what's going on because he's still under a spell. Suki figured that it was Coleman who bespelled him, but maybe it was Niall who punished him for going against him a long, long time ago. Suki asks Claude if he knows how humans break fairy spells in children's stories, and when she tells him it's with a kiss... They both lean in and kiss Dermot, which breaks the spell. <laughs> Claude takes Dermot inside while Sookie talks to Eric. Eric is kind of bereft without his maker, but now he's finally free. He flies home to take care of Pam, but promises that he and Sookie will make up for lost time. Sookie goes inside and is shocked when Dermot and Claude want her to climb into bed with them. But she realizes that they're fairies and they're family. So she snuggles up with them and they all fall peacefully asleep. Mm-hmm. And they've all been put to bed. <laughs> End of series, everyone is dead. Wait, that's not right. No, they so actually sleep. <laughs> they actually go to sleep. Well, we'll go and have a nap while everybody listens to this promo from another podcast. <laughs> there you go. Segway. It was a good segue. You're full of them this time. Always good segues. Have you ever wondered what Tina Fey has in common with Jonathan Swift? Or how Star Wars is connected to feudal Japan? Or just how pervasive Shakespeare's influence still is? I'm Rhonda. And I'm Erin. And our show Pop DNA explores the literary and historical roots of your favorite pop culture works. Like the Greek mythology and early 20th century feminism echoed in the film Wonder Woman or the classic dystopian fiction and real-life political revolutions that informed The Hunger Games. Every month, we bring you a deep-dive discussion of a selected pop culture work. 
featuring jokes no one will think are funny and literary references no one asked for. Find us at thepopdna.blog or anywhere you get your podcasts. By the way, Shakespeare is bigger than Disney. I can kind of understand why after reading this book, you gave up. And it all just happens in that last chapter. Mm. Fairy tale kisses? Yep. And and a fairy being upset about his fairy lady and unborn child dying in battle? Mm-hmm. I don't buy that. <sighs> this entire book for me is so disjointed. It was too much. And when things... Like, so all the way through, there's a great job being done of slowly introducing you supernatural um, species and characters. Mm-hmm. Until, on, obviously, we've got an abundance, an overabundance of, of people. And... By this time, we've started, like, for example, when we talked about Octavia, it was all of a sudden Octavia's like, all right, now bye, I'm going back to New Orleans. And again, the same thing happens here with Amelia. She's like, yeah, I've gone back to New Orleans. It's like Charlene Harris is kicking out the characters to try and streamline because she realizes she's got too many. And the yeah. same thing, it's continually happening. Whereas with Amelia, it was a phone call and done. With this one, we've built in a few characters. Um, we're introducing them, but we're getting rid of them straight away to try and tie off loose ends, to try and close off previous storylines. But I don't feel like the f- previous storylines are being closed off. I feel like there's just too many elements being introduced and it's become an effort. Too yeah. much of an effort to remember what the heck's going on. Like, There's at least two or three excruciatingly convoluted plots to either overthrow or kill or get people arrested that you just kind of go hang on what why like why do you have to have somebody having an affair with somebody else when you've already got all of this other mess going on it's too much and i think it just, i just got tired trying to justify everything like, it's just too much. And yeah, you, the, the, the fairy kiss. Okay. Fairy tales have got to come from somewhere. But I was just like, really? I don't know. With, every, with everything being so convoluted. Yeah. That was too simple. Yeah. It was too simple a way to break the fairy spell. With all of this just shit happening, that's... That's what fixes it? Yeah. And going back to what you were saying before, you know, when Octavia left, I can get Amelia leaving in this one because Dawson's dead. Yeah. And she doesn't want to be there anymore. So her exit, while quick, makes sense. Yes. Octavia's didn't really. No. But because they just wrote in another character who just pops up and then they both are whisked away. But I can get Amelia leaving this time. And the fact that she doesn't want to come back. 
I can completely understand that. It makes me sad, though, because I really liked Amelia. Yes. Yes. But it also makes things much easier because you've got one supernatural out of the way. Yeah. The witches the witches are not involved anymore. Well, that's again it's another it's another thing about all the elements coming into play. It's like, well, I actually well, partly because I enjoyed the the, the witches being in. Mm-hmm. I I really enjoy Amelia as a character and I don't think she was used as much as she could have been. Um but it's like for me it was sort of kicking her, kicking her out so Claude can move in. Yeah. So, oh, well, I want Claude to move in, but Octavia's just left, and oh, then I have to write some interactions between Claude and Amelia, and that could get awkward. Do you know what? Let's just get rid of Amelia, and for yeah. the sake of having Claude move in, and I don't know. I just this part of this book I really enjoy. Like I really enjoy having Eric's sire and brother in. I really liked um, having Alexis, Alexi being this absolute fucking mental Robinov child who can yes. make you see his horrific death and they have yeah. this convoluted way of making sure that everybody realize, thinks that he's dead by cutting off his arm and having him born in, in a crypt somewhere and I liked Appius Livius being an absolute dick because he's such an old vampire he's stuck in his ways it's a generational thing really and I kind of yeah. like those two characters, and I don't, and I like the fact that Eric was stuck. You know, he's stuck between a rock and a hard place, or a crazy person and a crazier person. And I w- wanted more of that. I wanted more of being over in Fantasia and having possibly Pam in the conversation to be like, "This is crazy. Like, this is my grandsire and my, you know, uncle." Yeah, uh, and this the, Eric's just you know I would have liked more of Pam and now the interaction over Fantasia, rather than more freaking fairy shit. Yeah, and if we had focused on Eric and Pam in this time, we wouldn't have focused so much on Suki being a bee. Yeah, she was so awful and like. You have to understand what Eric is dealing with because you're literally dealing with it too because of the blood bond. Like, can you not realize that he can't do anything because Appius Livius is there and he's controlling what he is doing? Like, if you can bother to even come and see me, if you can bother to even pick up the phone and call, like, no, bitch, he cannot do that. Which he should already know because of Bill's interaction with his sire and when she had to go over and sort it out and kill her. So she knows exactly the strength of that bond and that, how that instruction, if Appiah said, like you say in the summary, jump to Eric, he has to say how high. So she knows this, and it's so freaking frustrating that she doesn't give him any benefit of the doubt. Yeah, she's just so selfish, and I hate it. It feels like we had a massive U-turn with Suki in this one. Massive U-turn, where she finally seems to be understanding of what the supernatural culture is and how completely different it is. And she's part of that. She's part fairy, so she's part of the supernatural culture. But she'll own. She's selective of what she's forgiving about. Yeah, I hate it. So yeah, it just 
I stopped caring about Suki after this one because I thought, do you deserve my sympathy? And as soon as I start to question any empathy for the main character, it can become a struggle for me to actually read the book. And, you know, like I said earlier about all of those disjointed elements and it becoming too convoluted. And this book feels like it should be a conclusion to the series. Yeah, because they're all put to bed at the end. Because <laughs> they're all put to bed again. Yeah, again, exactly. There's a few... Eric flies off into the moonlight to go and be with Pam and take care of her, and Sookie and all the fairies die. <sighs> end. The end. end. The end. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, honestly, give another 50 pages, cut some of the chaff out, this could have been a very suitable end to the story. It would have tied off the fairy storyline. The werewolves don't need any more. You know, we know that the vamp- the, the, the werewolf uh, and shifter um, coming out is still going to be horribly tenuous for a long, long time because yeah. it's that's not going to be resolved in a few words. But it could be resolved in a nice epilogue. Exactly. And, you know, Suki's with Eric for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And again, and... epilogue. Yeah. And... We finally got to see the usefulness of the vampire phone book. So that finishes off Bill's story. He's got his sister wife. Yes, he's got his sister wife. It's very sad. And they can be very happy together. Mm -hmm. And Bill has also come out to the Belfleurs as the relative. So that's tied off. And he's healing now with, Uh you know, the blood of his sister wife. So yeah, this could have been, this could have been the end. And I think again, this just ties into why I felt, I felt like it was going to be a chore to read anymore. And obviously, I am. We've got three books left. You know, I read the books for the the the, the podcast. I don't skip over. I don't wait for some reason and cheat. I read these books every damn one of them. So I will read them. And I will probably enjoy them, but it's going to come as a nice surprise <laughs> yeah. as to what happens. Um, I still think there's no future in Eric and, and Sookie. I think Sookie's future is with Sam, especially after this one. The, it starts they're to so get a precious. bit more romantic. Yeah, they're so precious. They're definitely a friends to lovers situation, especially now yeah. when they're starting to realise, actually, let's go out for dinner, let's have some time together, you know, and yeah, I think that's definitely going to turn into a friends to lovers. I'm still not going to say anything. Well, you can't. You're not that's, that's, you do, remember, right. you said at the beginning, we spoil for others. We don't not spoil for each for other. Ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what bit aggravated the life out of me and could easily have been cut out and is completely unnecessary? It just the what? entire character needs editing. What? Hunter. Ugh, yeah. Sorry, people who like the kids in the book. Nah, not no. bothered for them. No, don't care. We spent far, far too much time with Hunter. You know, we had to go to freaking, was it McDonald's? And yes, Fun Shack or something like that. And the park. Yeah. And we spent so much time with Hunter that if that child is not utilised in the next three books, what the hell? Well, wait... Wait, now I didn't include this in the summary, but Coleman didn't kill Sookie 
because he saw her playing with the child. He was there at the park in the background, we learned, waiting to kill Sookie, but he didn't because she was there with a child. Which, can children please stop being so important? I hate it. I hate I... how everyone's fucking pregnant and babies are important and I, I hate it. I'm, I'm bored of it. I'm really bored of it. Like, to be, to be fair, though, if you cut the entire Hunter character out, then Suki would never be in the park. We would have never known Coleman was there to kill her. And it could have been done a little bit better. You know, yeah. stalk her in the house. Make this a... Do you know what I find frustrating, apart from the book? How, you know, when we had the torture scene, we really enjoyed it because it was so different from the rest yeah. of the story. And it's like, oh, my God, are the, is, is Charlene Harris taking a turn? Is she making this you know, gritty and she's actually, you know, dialing it up because you're talking about murderous vampires. You have a little teenage vampire serial killer in this. You have the potential to make this a darker and grittier story. And it could have been a full-on horror story of being stalked in your own house. And, you know, that that disquieting feeling of not being safe in, the, in your own four walls could have been done yeah. so much better with Coleman than what took place by having yes. that Hunter character, having Hunter there and quote-unquote saving Sookie in the player park. Yeah. I would have liked it to have been a bit more, possibly a bit more of an insular story where Sookie is basically trapped in a house because she's too scared to go out because of Coleman. She's too scared to go out because of Alexis. She's too scared to go out... So Alexia, sorry. She's too scared to go out because of Appius. That she's kind of like trapped in this house with all these things coming from other, all these sides. And people are... The wares are coming and using her land and saying, yeah, there's a dead body. And she's like, oh my God. And you know, okay, so she's going out, investigating that with the help. But again, she's still trapped in her house. I think that would have been excellent. I think it would have been excellent if at the end of the last book, we see that fairies are fucking terrifying. And then for the whole rest of the series, it could have been holy shit, can I trust any fairy? Like, am I going to turn into a crazy monster? Can I trust Claude? Is he moving in to try to kill me? There's a fairy in the woods. Is he going to kill me? And it could have been this, like, violent bloodbath. But you're right. It it wasn't. No. But it could have been, like, fairies could have become the ultimate evil, which would have been great because you think, oh, fairies, they're so pretty and nice. But they could have become the ultimate horrifying evil. Yeah. And it was just... That's it. It's so frustrating, isn't it, that you spend this entire time thinking, actually, why has Claude moved in? Yeah, what's going on? He's had a massive personality change. And I kept thinking the first time round reading this, is it Claude? It could have been. He He would have all the reason in the world to hate Sookie yeah. because his sister's dead. Or is it another fairy with a glamour pretending to be Claude because the personality yeah. change was so yeah. 180. I just, again, it's these little things that just made me like, 
almost get whiplash with Claude, thinking, but this is not the person we've been introduced to. And yeah, I don't know, it just really frustrated me. Really frustrated yeah. me. But I liked, I mean, there were elements I did like. I did like. I was about to say, can we talk about some things that we oh, did God, like? Yes. Because we've been trashing this one the whole time. <laughs> we have. And I think, to be fair, it's been a while since we've come across a book where we have probably not enjoyed as quite as much as we would have liked. Right. I really liked Appius, Livius and Alexei. I really liked the fact that, it, like I said, a teenage psychopathic vampire. He was such a little shit. I I loved it. I loved that. He's like, hello. Oh, look, it's Jason. Hi, Jason. And Jason's putting his arm around him and treating him like this little kid. It's like, dude, serial killer. No, don't do 100 it. Hundred-year-old monster. Yeah. And Appius, Livius, my God, what a... What a dick. Yeah. I, yeah, the whole, like... You have to call me master for 100 years, and then you may call me Appius Olivius, and no one ever may call me O'Kella, except for after thousands of years. Like, oh man, this guy and his rules. Honestly. Yeah. Which makes you appreciate Eric a whole hell of a lot more. Like, this is the quote-unquote family he was raised in. This is, you know, he's so liberal and open-minded and different and modern compared to Appius Livius. I mean, wow. Complete, completely different. So for me, it made me appreciate Eric a lot more. Yeah, and the fact that Eric is, he's clearly in love with Suki. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like there's any ulterior reason for it. Yes. He just likes her. He likes her and he wants to take care of her, which is something that we've talked about throughout the entire series so far. Eric is always there. And yeah, you know, he's a lovable asshole. But he's always there and he's always taking care of her with no no strings attached, really. Like, he keeps he's promises. a good... He's a good guy. Which brings back to what you were saying about being frustrated with Suki. He keeps his promises. He doesn't lie to her. He might not give her the full truth, but he certainly doesn't lie to her. Yeah. And she doesn't give him any leeway with it in this situation. It's, he's proven himself time and time and time again. And when she's being tested, and it's not even really a test, you, what you know what it's like when the in-laws come, the dynamic changes. Yeah. And we don't have serial killer, creepy vampire in-laws. No. Do you know what I liked? I really, really liked the shaman ritual. Oh my god, yes. And just how, like, loopy and weird Suki was after Alcide makes her drink this drug. And she, like, she can she can see colors. <laughs> but I really enjoyed that. And, you know, she's a friend of the pack. And being friend of the pack, you know, kind of means that 
you're you're gonna have to help them out sometimes they can't just always keep coming to you for help I mean, they can't always keep coming to you to help you. You have to help them back in return. That's what it means to be a friend. And so she has to drink this drug and then she can see all the colors of the emotions of the entire pack and understands that, wow, Alcide is powerful. And almost every single person in this room is on his side and respectful of him. But then, oh... Not you, not you over there, not you, Ham. And then we find out part of the convoluted story with the fairies, and then we wish that that didn't happen. But it was really cool. Hi, Suki is my favorite Suki. Yes, she was hilarious. And I really also enjoyed when she gets out in the front yard, Jason's like dragging her out like, hey, we got to go. Something bad's about to happen. And so we got to leave. And then Suki vomits in Alcide's front yard. And he's and Jason's like, I don't want you to puke on my truck. Can I just take you to Eric's house? Because it's close by. <laughs> I'm sure he's got a bathroom. And, and so he's like, oh, shit. Yeah, we need to go there anyway, because something real bad's happening. And then it's fine, and it makes perfect sense that Jason wants to dump her off somewhere so she doesn't barf in his truck. Completely. I think we've all been in that situation. (laughs) Can I please just take you to Eric's? It's so close by. My precious truck. How she didn't have the munchies. I I just kept expecting her to be like, oh, I just need a burger. Or some fries. Just give me some Doritos. Ooh, onion rings. Mm. Just... I'm li- that's probably I love that scene, but I would have liked to have had the munchies. <laughs> we'll get really horny and start pouring at Eric, and it's completely like inappropriate. He's like, "Sukiman, no, calm yourself." And Pam's just off in the corner laughing. Yeah, I would have been okay with that, but instead, Pam was off like dragging her corpse around in the bathroom because her legs were broken and Eric's ribs are sticking out. And, it's not you know. a situation you need to to wander in on. She's like. No. Damn it. Especially when you're high. Oh, shit. What's <laughs> happening? Eric, why's your bones out? Mmm, ribs. Would have been great. I could really have mm. some ribs. <laughs> I want to get some ribs. Eric, I can see her bone. <gasps> and she's just like poking his nipple. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been that would have been good stuff. <laughs> I like the I scene as well at Merlot's with um, the riot with the mob mm, mm-hmm. I mean I feel sorry for Sam That's, it's bad crack in that regard but I like Kennedy like you know don't mess with Kennedy no don't mess with Kennedy because she'll cut you she will she will shiv you she's definitely pleasant you want on your side yeah Definitely. I love the fact that she's like a beauty queen. (laughs) She's like a homecoming queen and stuff, and she's like gorgeous. But she also shot her boyfriend, which I'm sure she did for a 100% reasonable reason. Yes. She seems like a reasonable person. She really does. But I, yeah, I really liked Kennedy too. She was, she was an addition that I did not mind. Yes. Yes. And I hope we see her a bit more and that she isn't savagely murdered. 
Yeah. Oh, do you know something else that I liked? Hmm. Pam and Sookie killing Victor's goons. Yes. On the side of the road. Yes. They're like, oh, it's it's raining and that car needs help. Oh, shit. It's Victor's goons. And Pam's like, here, have this knife. And Sookie's like, what? And she's like, well, I don't need a weapon. You need a weapon. And then they get out and she's like, you got to go kill that guy. And she's like, why? Because I gave you a knife. <laughs> And then they do, and then they just push the, you know, drive the car elsewhere, leave it, push the bodies down the ravine so they'll ash away. It was a bonding moment. And then they're just moment. like, all right, let's go. Let's go home now. I lo- It was a bonding t- moment. You know, they really came together at that point. They did. I love Pam so much. Me too. I love Pam. There's never enough Pam. Do you know what's something that I noticed in the audiobook? And I actually had to stop. I had to stop it a couple of times uh-huh. and go, is that what they said? There's Ham and Sam and Pam. And I'm pretty sure at least once or twice in the super high, colorful shaman scene that... The narrator said Pam instead of Ham at least once or twice. And I was like, wait, what? No, it's Ham. It's Ham. It's Ham who is there. Can we not just call him fucking Hamilton? Why do we have to Ham and Pam and Sam? Well, it's like she's got Alcee and Alcide. Yes. Everybody's got freaking similar names. It's very confusing. Yeah. So could we not have called him Hamilton? But I swear, at least once or twice, the narrator said Pam instead of Ham. That wouldn't surprise me. It's, it is a reasonable mistake to make. It is. It really wouldn't surprise me. Ham and Pam and Sam. It's like Dr. Seuss. <laughs> I just keep hearing Ham thinking, hmm, Ham sandwich. I'm hungry. <laughs> Me too. And then you think, oh, onion rings. Oh, ribs. And then you poke Eric's nipple. Do we have a nipple count from this one? I don't think there were any nipples, were there? There are no nipples. I am embarrassed of the nipple count. There hasn't been a nipple since the last time we did the nipple count. It's terrible. Terrible. Very upset by this. I know. Me too. I thought there was going to be science, but there's not. So who were your favorite characters? <laughs> Always Eric. Always. Always Sam. Yeah, yeah. He's such a good boy. And this time, Jason. Jason has, Jason has redeemed himself in, in this one for me. He's a good brother again. He's, I think, after having lost his skanky panther bitch wife, I I think that he's a better person now. And even, like, Hoyt can see it. Because for a while there, Hoyt was not really talking to Jason very much. 
but now Hoyt wants him to be his best man, and, like, Jason shows up, and, yeah, he is there to get a table out of the attic, but he's there, and he's helpful, and when Sookie's like, hey, um, do you mind just staying for a little while? He's like, sure, and he invites her over for lunch a couple of times. Like, I don't know. I just like Jason in this one. He's redeemed himself to me. He's grown up. He's certainly grown up. Yeah. I think he's realized he can't just be the lazy leer about no yeah. good man whore. Yeah. Act your age, not yeah. shoe size. Yeah. He's yeah. grown up. Yeah. I agree. I also had Kennedy, but that's because I just think. I like the idea of her. <laughs> yeah, me too. And obviously Pam. Okay. Every occasion, Pam. Always Pam. I always mean, Eric, like... always Sam, always Pam. Never but Ham. But not Ham. Never <laughs> Ham. Do you have any surprises? Probably, like, Coleman. Like... You know when we read a murder mystery, and you know we're we're, we're pretty good at working them out. Mm-hmm. And this was so certainly of an of a a, rel- a relatively similar thing where there's a threat. It's a fairy. Who could it be? Yeah, we have not met Coleman nope. in the past. We know Cordine was pregnant. Yes. For me, it felt like. It was almost a sperm donorish kind of situation, you know, not really a relationship sort of thing. Um, you know, she just went to the fairy sperm bank. Um, so there's no way for me we could have guessed it was Coleman who was being stalky, stalky serial killer to her. Yeah. So the fact that this Randor fairy, pretty pretty much a Randor fairy, was introduced, and that the reasoning was that Claudine was killed in the war protecting Suki, but it wasn't a war that Suki started. Just Suki was there. I mean, yes, Claudine was helping protect because she's her fairy godmother and it's her duty to do that. But he blames her. I don't know. It just... It felt weak. Yeah. And shoehorned in. And that but... Coleman was putting blame where it really didn't lie, and I don't know. It just might just it might just be me. I just I was surprised by how blah that was. But Claire, the baby. Oh, think of the baby. Uh... Okay, it's sad. I get it, but we've already established that I don't care. Uh... I don't care. I'm so sick of all the babies. Baby marriages. And marriages and also i'm sick of suki fucking going to church oh my god she's gotten very like christiany and i find that really annoying especially because she's like well i just i want to kill somebody does that make me a bad christian like can you just not can you just not yeah talk about that the whole church element for me in this book was it was being. It was, it was annoying. It was annoying. It was like, wait, I do you gotta know go to church to feel good about myself. It reminded Ugh. me when when I was learning to drive. My first driving instructor was a born again Christian, 
he had the fish symbol on the back of the car and everything. And I remember being stuck in traffic lights and he was trying to basically convert me. And I'm like, no, I'm not interested. No, I'm not interested. And it was like, it for the, like, I prepaid lessons. And for about three or four lessons after that, it was constant. I was like, yeah, no, no. And I changed driving instructors because, no, it's not appropriate. I don't care. No, I'm not a person it. for organised religion. No, stop it. But you were being trapped. I was in a trapped situation where I couldn't, you know, just get out of the car. And this is the same with the sucky books. I feel like I'm trapped in the sucky books and I can't get out, but she's going to force religion down my throat. And I get it's the South. And I get religion's a big thing. But shut the fuck up. Yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> hi. Sam, if you go to a different church and say hello, they'll know you're an asshole because you go to a church. No. Like, hi, I live in the South. I am not a fan of the church and surprisingly in this world of well i live in the south so i gotta go to church like not no no that's that's not luckily it's not as huge of a thing anymore no although there are there are some times where you go to places with new people and they're like hey what church y'all go to and then you go, no. I go to the church of sleeping in on a Sunday. <laughs> and then you get put to bed, aka murdered by the Christian. Oh, I wouldn't. It would burn me. Remember, the priest refused to christen me. I'm a heathen. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> um, I what have was a surprise. Your surprise, yes. My <laughs> surprise. Was that the fairy kiss worked? Oh. <laughs> Come on. But look, if the fairy kiss worked, and now Dermot or and or Jason can grow a mustache and be two separate people, then I'm fine with it. She'll put fairy curses on people and just start smooching Hey Eric, you've got a fairy kit. You've got a fairy curse. Nah. Oh no! Because I'm I'm a fairy. Nah, you have to come switch. Yeah, yeah. That was my surprise. And now we should play. Would you rather? I forgot that I had a wound on my neck. Well, you. I mean, you will be a fang banger. That's what I we know. are this week, people. That is. We're, that is. We work at Fantasia, and we're fang bangers. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we are. That's why we are a skanky trash bag full of blood and slutty but classy blood hug. <laughs> Anywho. Be- because, remember, if you're listening to this and not watching it, you can watch this episode. You can go back and watch it. And you can see us in all of our slutty, skanky glory slutty skanky but classy glory and you can do this yes. for the entirety of october Every i know but episode, including bonuses Ooh. Ooh. but this is the end i mean we have one more but that's technically november's episode it is it's a halloween special but it's live so it's gonna go up on youtube anyways anyway now let's play what you that we oddly asked unplanned segue yeah. segment. Oh, well, we'll go back there. Makes sense. It's fine. 
We asked on social media, would you rather eat dog food or be naked in front of two strangers? I love the division this sto- this 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 question has caused. Me too. I really love this question so much because it actually happened in the text of the book. <laughs> Sookie literally says, I would rather eat dog food. I would rather eat Alpo than stand here naked in front of they're not I mean, they're strangers it's appius livius and alexi but she's like shit i'm glad i put that robe on yes because i would rather eat dog food than be naked in front of them and that is that is literally if you're gonna give why, us a would you rather in the text you cannot have given we, us a better one we are going to ask that question <sighs> yeah hint hint amy mccall <laughs> yes hey amy <laughs> Put in a would you rather, you know. We'll give you we'll give you ideas. <laughs> so on Facebook, be naked one with fifty nine percent. On Instagram, eating dog food one with seventy three percent, which was the highest. Twitter was fifty seven percent to be naked, and on TikTok it was seventy five percent to be naked. We have lots of comments. Yes. Constance on Facebook said, Okay, so hear me out. My mother feeds her dog bowls of cheese as well as sharing her yogurt and wine with him. I'll feast like the king he is. Are you supposed to feed dogs yogurt, wine and cheese? I don't think so. Because that's a pampered pooch and I don't mind that. Yeah, really. Bree on Facebook said, here's the thing. I worked at and ate Taco Bell for years, and that meat was on the same level as dog food. Now, they have these gourmet kinds. You can get mail ordered to your house that look better than what I make for myself. Even the dry kibble smells like it would taste all right. I'd happily eat all of this and more if it meant I didn't have to expose my naughty bits to total strangers. They're mine. (laughs) I love that answer, Bree. I love it. It's very well thought out. It's it's something it. that you've obviously considered as well. Yes. Colin on Facebook said, Naked time! I'm always getting naked for reasons such as bathing or getting changed. So I'm kind of used to it. I'm not what you would call shy. So I'll be a nudie neddy. Plus, I'm naked right now. Right at this very second as you read this. Naked as the day I was born. Just glistening. Enjoy. <laughs> Glistening. Whoa. Well, at 5pm on a Sunday afternoon. Can really, you confirm this to be true? It better not be. <laughs> Vincent on Facebook said, I don't care about being naked in front of strangers. You're never going to see them again, so let them look. I know for a fact that Vincent has flashed his bits down the club when he got them pierced so he's got no shame that's fine Coral on Facebook said so these days some dog food is made better than some human food so I'm going to go with dog food because there's no way two strangers will see me naked excellent points Coral Annie on Facebook says it's strangers you're never going to see them again so get naked and freaky love Annie (laughs) she's just going to YMCA those puppies she is uh, Toko Rakasai on Instagram said why not both at the same time <laughs> why not why not no king shame here 
No, it's fine. L20Kev on Instagram says, As long as I can wear my damn you boobs t-shirt, I'm happy to be nude down below. Just like for our Zoom meeting. <laughs> Didn't it? Oh, I think that was paused. I don't think anyone else got to see that but us. Yeah, we had the glorious knowledge. The recording of, was paused at that time. Of Kev being naked from the waist down. In in Amy McCaw's episode. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he says he was gonna say dog food, but after Googling it, not sure I wanna. <laughs> Shelf Addiction, uh, one of the podcasts we've done crossovers with, so go and check that out. Yes. On yes. Instagram said, depends, is the dog food all natural and high end? Are the two strangers promised to secrecy and can make no judgments? Mm. Good <laughs> questions. Good questions. Linda LaFleur on Instagram says, well, despite me sometimes saying as I feed my dog, geez, this looks pretty good to me, naked. <laughs> And Prince Kai for a fan pod on Instagram. Another one. Who we also podcast. do crossovers with. Yes, check them out. Said, One's coming up soon, by the way. Ooh. Put me down for dog food. It might be a little bland, but I won't be, judge me. Or make me vulnerable. <laughs> dog food won't judge her. <laughs> I should hope not. If your dog food's judging you, you need to change your brand. Yeah, really. Got some good comments from the library this yes. week too. Be naked. I don't know for how long, but that still beats the taste of dog food. <laughs> I'll eat dog food straight out of the can rather than be caught naked. Nobody needs to see that. Did I write that one? <laughs> it could have been you. <laughs> Depends on the food. If it's dry, I'll eat it. Canned? Nope. Very good point. <laughs> naked? That way everyone is uncomfy. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely dog food. I will crack open a can of dog food and eat it like applesauce. That person has eaten dog food. I will guarantee I'm you sure, right now. I'm sure that person has eaten dog food. And then the last one, naked. I have no shame and cool tattoos. Look, Constance. <laughs> it might have been Constance. <laughs> so what are you saying? Oh, I think I'll have the Scooby Snacks, please. Yeah? Yeah, I mean... To be fair, I'm naked in front of strangers. Not really that bothered. I mean, I think I would be. I think I'll probably think about it afterwards. But, you know, I get changed with the curtains open. So, hashtag no shame. Yeah. Um, but dog food, seems, <laughs> dog food seems really quite high end now. It does. I would pick dry over wet. Because then it's like eating dry cereal. And I recently bought some cereal. Yeah, I recently bought some dog treats for a friend's pup, um, some Halloween ones, and they had like little school chocolates, doggy chocolates in, and little like chicken um, bones and stuff. It was all Halloween designs, and they're very cute. And I, I was looking at them, thinking they look like what you would get for a person. So I'll take the Halloween doggy snack pack, thanks. I probably won't eat the chicken foot, thanks. That that I'll probably use that in some portions. Yeah. But it might make a nice broth, you know? Yeah. Gravity's not my friend, so naked's probably not great. 
The only issue I really have with being naked is that I have like stuff on me. Yeah. You know, I've got my insulin pump and I don't have any place to put it if I don't have clothes on. Yeah. I mean, when you port cyborg, it's a little bit more difficult. It's tough. It's tough to be a cyborg. It's tough to be a cyborg. So, like, if I, if I were unplugged, if I didn't have any cyborg parts, then sure, I'll walk around naked in front of two strangers, whatever. But you don't have pre-knowledge of it. I mean, if it's premeditated nudity, it's a little easy to plan for. Yeah. Like, if it were... Oh, let's step back here. If it were two people standing outside my window, peering in, I'm going to eat dog food. Because that's creepy. I don't want people standing outside my window and I don't know that they're there. Yes, that's if we, if we take it from the book. Creepy, creepy creeps outside. I would rather eat dog food. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next question. Would you rather have silver poisoning or have a fairy spell put on you? Probably the fairy spell. Silver poisoning sounds awful. I might have been silver poisoned. That might be why my knees and my back have been hurting me for so long. Maybe. Oh my god. I need to go and bl- drink be. the blood of my sire. You do. Mom. Or your sibling. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on the silver poisoning because again, if we're thinking from the text of the book, like Dermot has been spelled for a long time. Yeah. And that just seems really bad. Yeah. He's crazy. And everyone's afraid of him because they think he's crazy. And I mean Silver poisoning can be healed relatively quickly if you know how to heal it. And if you have a relative still. If you have a relative still nearby, which you can easily check if you use Bill's vampire phone book. So I'm going to go with silver poisoning as well. Wait, is that what you chose? No, I chose fairy spell. Yeah, and then you talked about how you are being poisoned. Yes, I think so, yeah, I've been I'm... silver poisoned, but I'm going to go with fairy spell because then it's easily, it's more easily broken. It's it, it's not even by true love's kiss. It's just a kiss. A uh, kiss. A uh, kiss. Yeah. So then I'm just going to go on a smoochie. Yeah, just start kissing everyone. Yeah, I'm just going to go start smooching. Mm. Just Maybe smooch. you're right. Maybe I should rethink this. Just Maybe we smooch. should just go start kissing everyone. I mean, would it work if you broken. kissed your pets as well if you got beat i don't know and had a bit of a little catty kiss i don't know i don't know i think it'd be easier to break a fairy spell than it would be to to cure silver poisoning you know you're probably right but i don't want to be spelled for so long no 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 but you know how to break the fairy spell which is possibly where dermot didn't Right. So then you just go smooching. Yeah. Go on a smooching. And plus, you work at Fantasia, go and buy the outfit, the smooching's gonna happen. Yeah. But, you know, working at Fantasia, maybe we'll get turned, and then we can just drink the blood of all of our sister wives, and it'll be fine. 
what if you've got a fairy spell on you that's making you slightly bonkers but you're working at Fantasia at the time and then you get turned because Eric's like, oh my god, you ladies. Or Pam's like, oh my god, yeah, love you gals. So then you get turned to a vampire with this fairy spell put on you. Would you carry the... Would it, the spell carry over or would you be turned crazy? I think that the fairy spell would break upon your death. Ooh. We'll go with that. Yeah, okay. Next question. (laughs) Would you rather have the power to see emotions or the power to give people your memories? If I get to act like Sookie, I will see the emotions. Totally true. balls. It was hilarious. It was amazing. I'll do that. Yeah, same. I don't really want to... I don't think I have memories that are particularly... Why would anybody want mine? Yeah, I don't think I have any memories worthy to be given away you know i love them i cherish them but who else is going to yeah except for that time that i high-fived jared padalecki oh yes that would be a fun one to share with people that that, yeah and like that time that i met don kurtigich yes would be a cool one to share with everyone that time that i met pc cast that time that i ate lunch with kendara blake all of these would be good that time that Vampire Book Club got together, minus you and Drew on the other side of the world. The US that fam- would be a good the US leg of Vampire Book Club. Yeah, that that would be a good that would be a good memory to share. Yeah. But still it's like it sounds not to sound cruel, but there's a limited audience for that. Right. No one cares. No. What you want, you want to be like Alexi. You want to have horrific memories and be the villain in the story and And torture people. Exactly. And if you can't torture people... Not worth it. No, so you might as well be tripping balls and with the power to see emotions. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. All right. <gasps> Secret, Secret, would you rather the time? Oh, no. Oh, God. I, I both love and Secret. hate this bit. <laughs> would you rather date your great-great-grandfather or a 100-year-old teenager? Ah. Uh. <laughs> Well, I mean, the 100-year-old teenager is like dating Edward, isn't it? Bringing Twilight reference. Oh. So I'm going to go with the 100-year-old teenager. I don't want no maybe, incest. Maybe I, should, maybe I should drop it down. A 100-year-old, 13-year-old teenager. Ah. Oh. Yeah. It's a 13-year-old. No, you just made it really icky. I did. That was the intention. I didn't expect for you to immediately go Edward Cullen. That's not fair. Change of the goalposts. <laughs> I mean, it's really a person of my age. With a, they're not thirteen though; they're a hundred. But they still look, and act thirteen. Ah, uh, it's got to be the great great grandfather, and hope that the bloodlines of. And hope to God I'm adopted. <laughs> I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go with the great great grandfather too, especially if the great great grandfather is also a vampire. Yeah. And doesn't look like a great great grandfather. If it's an old old man or a young young boy, I would just no. be alone for the rest of my life. Like, not to be shallow, but You've got to consider these things. Like, 
I guess if I had to choose, and they weren't vampires, <laughs> I would have to go with the great-great-grandfather with the hopes that he might die soon. No, no, no. No. Write you in the will, then die And soon. then dies. <laughs> if you're going to do it, you're going to be a gold digger. <laughs> right. Of course. Well, I am a skanky trash bag full of blood, well, so... exactly. Exactly. Okay. Because... Oh, oh, it's quite nasty. Right, I think we've resolved this one. What's yours? Would you rather have to deal with your boyfriend's crazy father or his psycho brother? Ah, because dealing with in-laws is a pain in the ass. Let's face it. It is. It is. Some people's in-laws are lovely, and like I do have very nice in-laws. But other people's are crazy. But you've got a day with a father or a brother. I think I would rather deal with the psycho brother. Because I feel like even though it's your your family, you gotta know that the brother is psycho. Yeah. And you gotta know that the father is crazy but i feel like it's less bad to insult a brother than it is a father yes there's like a so a respect level that comes yeah. with the age yeah so i'm gonna pick psycho brother okay i'm the same i'm gonna deal with psycho brother because i feel like i can put the brother in the place more than i could put the father right yeah yeah and I think it would be easier to win the psycho brother to your side than it would be the crazy father. Yeah, because you just need to take Alexi out to go like a nightclub and say, order up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Okay, I'm with you there. Cool. All right, favorite final thought quote? There was coffee in the pot and I didn't need telepathy to know that. I could smell it. The perfume of morning. True words have never been said. No. Well, this was absolutely amazing. <laughs> good swear. And I'm going to go with this one because we are dressed to impress as Fantasia Fang Bangers. Fantasia, where all your bloody dreams come true. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. People should make an effort to be polite. Which I agree with. I agree, yes. Vampires bringing America together. <laughs> oh, got a couple of really good Pam quotes to hit finish me, Hit up. me, hit me. Claude? The mouth-wateringly beautiful asshole? <laughs> Fuck a zombie! <laughs> That's her response. Hey, Pam! Your grandsire's in town. Fuck a zombie! <laughs> and Sookie's so like, much. what? <laughs> You see, uh, this is the thing. In this supernatural world, you can't guarantee she doesn't mean it in a literal sense. I know. 
I think I've got one more. Okay. It's not that I approve of murder, but some people just beg to be killed, don't they? Yes. Yes. Hmm. All right. If you liked this, try this. What are you suggesting today? I'm suggesting I haven't read it. It's a recent release. Um, Same with mine. Same with mine. I I struggled. There's two I found and one hasn't been released yet. So I'm saving that for next week. Um, Okay. I wanted to go back to the vampires. I scared off and went werewolf the last time. So I'm going to go back to vampires. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And this one is The Reluctant Vampire Queen by Joe Simmons. It, it's um it's been said it's a bit buffy verse ish but by the sounds of it as well um it's got some rings of the mary janice davidson vampire series as well so if you've read okay. that and um, i haven't it was quite good um so it's the reluctant vampire queen by joe simmons and the summary from waterstones is meet more Mary Jew. Independent young woman, Minnie Battenberg fan, president of the debating society and reluctant vampire queen. 15-year-old more Mary Jew isn't exactly expecting to be asked to be vampire queen of Great Britain when she's cycling home from school on a wet Tuesday evening. Apparently she is the chosen one. Aside from being comfortable with the idea of unelected power, not very democratic, there's blood drinking to consider. More is vegetarian. And frankly, it's just not really the sort of role Moore's looking for. She wants to aim for a real job in politics. But if you're Vampire Queen, you probably don't have to do PE anymore. And with the dreamy Luca, a vampire familiar turns up, all suddenly starts to look a bit more appealing. It sounds excessively British as well. It does. I mean, I love a mini Bandberg. I relate to you so hard right now, more. And if you don't have to do PE at school, because PE was literal torture and probably one of the reasons why I'm not an exercise fan as an adult, it just, yes... I love it. And I like the whole democracy debate considering current political times. It just, yeah, it just really sings to me. I like it. What have you got? It's very interesting (laughs) that yours is a vampire queen because mine is also a vampire queen, but completely different. Okay. And, um... I chose Court of the Vampire Queen by Katie Robert. Now, I haven't read any of Katie Robert's books, but I have been buying them for the library, and they all look real saucy and, like, super sexy. Nice. So, this one, Court of the Vampire Queen. Summaries from Goodreads. All Mina ever wanted was to escape her father's control. Half human, half vampire, she lived eternally torn between two worlds, never fully experiencing the pleasures of either, until her father chose her as the pawn in his latest political move, gifting her to the darkly powerful and dangerously seductive Malachi Zion. Malachi is not a vampire to be trifled with. He rules with an iron fist and has a reputation for the darkest of sins. But the longer Mina spends with him, the more she realizes he's not the monster she first thought. And as fear bleeds into lust, then trust, then something more, Malachi opens Mina up to a world she never knew could be hers for the taking, including the love of Malachi's two closest friends and companions. 
now surrounded by all three men, the center of their shockingly seductive world, Mina may finally have the power to face down her father and take back the life and crown that, by all rights, should be hers. Oh. Oh. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Katie Robert is probably not my cup of tea, mm. but I feel like a lot of our listeners will enjoy her work. Well, her if you're throwing in vampires and things like the supernatural element that we do enjoy, there's a very good yeah. chance that you, though you'll not like some of it, you'll enjoy other parts of it. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's not very... like reading a YA contemporary romance. If you're going to read a YA right. contemporary romance, I want some vampires thrown in there. Yes, yeah. definitely, 100%. So, okay, so there's potential. There's potential there. Yes, yes. And I feel like I I think a lot of our listeners would enjoy her, definitely. her books. Especially if it's sassy. I love some sassy content. Yeah. yeah. Do we have a spotlight this week? And is it hashtag we sassy? Do. <laughs> we do. Yes, yes. Uh, we do have an... It's This is a new spotlight. Uh, this book... I believe just recently came out or is coming out very, very soon. It's called The Witch and the Vampire by Francesca Flores. And this is just a little bit of a snippet. It's a queer Rapunzel retelling in which a witch and a vampire who trust no one but themselves must journey together through a cursed forest with danger at every turn. Sold. Like, Sold. does that not sound like Sold. something we would love? Okay, so here's the summary. Ava and Kay used to be best friends until one night, two years ago, vampires broke through the magical barrier protecting their town, and in the ensuing attack, Kay's mother was killed, and Ava was turned into a vampire. Since then, Ava has been trapped in her house. Her mother, Eugenia, needs her. Ava still has her witch powers, and Eugenia must take them in order to hide that she's a vampire as well. Desperate to escape her confinement and stop her mother's plans to destroy the town, Ava must break out, flee to the forest, and seek help from the vampires who live there. When there is another attack, she sees her opportunity and escapes. Kay, now at the end of her training as a flame witch, is ready to fulfill her duty of killing any vampires that threaten the town, including Ava. On the night that Ava escapes, Kay follows her and convinces her to travel together into the forest while secretly planning to turn her in. Ava agrees, hoping to rekindle their old friendship and the romantic feelings she'd started to have for Kay before that terrible night. But with monstrous trees that devour humans whole... Vampires who attack from above and Ava's stepfather tracking her, the woods are full of danger. As they travel deeper into the forest, Kay questions everything she thought she knew. The two are each other's greatest threat, and also their only hope, if they want to make it through the forest unscathed. Ooh. Monstrous, human-devouring trees? Yes. Yep. Into it. Yes. Yes, that sounds excellent. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, some good recommendations this week. I know, yeah. Yeah. Excited. There's loads of exciting stuff coming out lately as well, like in the future too. Yes. Good time, good time. 
it's a good time to be doing a podcast about books. Oh, what'd you know? <sighs> okay. That's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we go live to discuss the short story Dracula Night by Charlene Harris. So excited. We're going to be live on Sunday, October 30th at 1 p.m. Central 6 GMT because of time change? Yes, the times change on Saturday night. Yes. So we are one so, hour closer. We are. Oh, how precious. Oh, like time traveling buddies. So everyone, make sure you join us. We're going to be live on YouTube. You can watch us. Join in on our ridiculousness. It's going to be a good time. It is. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you'd like this episode, check out our others, a rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>